Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Hey, as a quick heads up, I want to let you know that in my real life, you know, I'm Conrad, the mortgage guy, but we don't call our folks who help people save money loan officers like they do at the bank. I always thought that sounded terrible. Instead, we want to be your mortgage advisor. In fact, we want to be your mortgage advisor for life. And we take that honor very seriously. Check out this 4.83 star review. That's right. 4.83 from Jeffrey in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He says, I had worked with you last year to refinance our home before the interest rates dropped. Your team reached out to me to do the process again, to save me more money and ensure that I had the best rate possible. I've never been treated as just another person on the to-do list. Even after I was done doing business, they were still looking to see that I was in the best financial place possible. We're going to go ahead and take a look at your whole financial situation and see if we can improve it. Maybe you've got equity in your house and you've got some high interest rate credit cards. We've probably got some mathematical solutions to get you out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. Maybe we take a look at your current homeowner's insurance and realize, Hey, uh, that might be kind of high. You might need another quote. Maybe we're going to make sure that you filed homestead on your house to make sure you've got the best deal on your property taxes. Whatever your circumstance is, if it's home related, we're going to try to take a look and find a way to get you the best deal possible. Just like they say on old WWE programming then now and forever you know it's like they used to say because when you're safe with conrad you're safe with conrad for life no seriously we want to help you save some cash and we want to do it today at savewithconrad.com nmls number 65084 equal housing lender you don't need perfect credit you don't need money out of your pocket and you can skip your next two house payments what are you waiting for get a quote right now find out how much money you can save for free at savewithconrad.com Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to the Kurt Angle Show. And of course, we couldn't do it without the master of ceremonies himself, Mr. Kurt Angle. Kurt, how are you, man? I'm doing well, thank you, Conrad. How you doing, man? Better than I deserve, and I'm excited to be here with you as we continue our journey here. I can't believe we're four episodes deep, man. I've seen nothing but positive it's reviews online. Really quickly, yes, yes, so fast, really quick, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. And you recently, uh, gave us a little tip of the cap and said that this is probably your biggest payday in wrestling too. It's WrestleMania 21, your match against Shawn Michaels is going to be our topic today. Are you excited to talk about this one? This has got to be near the top of your list, right? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, wrestling Shawn was a dream come true. I, I, you know, I going into it, uh, you know, I, we, we ended up having the story, the angle started at the rumble. And I was so excited because when I first saw Sean wrestle at survivor series, a couple years prior, 
uh, I didn't, I never watched him wrestle before. So wow. it was the first time. And I was in awe. He, he went through, you know, it came down to him and five guys on the other team. Cause it was elimination. Right. And, uh, he went through those five guys. He didn't win. He lost at the very end, but he eliminated four of them. And the way he sold and his technique, uh, his charisma, I mean, Shawn Michaels is without a doubt the best overall performer I've ever seen. Wow. High praise there from one of the all-time greats. Well, we're talking today about, uh, Hollywood because WrestleMania went Hollywood WrestleMania 21. (laughs) It went down on April 3rd, 2005 at the Staples center in LA sellout crowd. Of course, for every WrestleMania, 20,193 fans, the show was going to gross more than 2.1 million at the gate. Over a million folks will buy the pay-per-view 1,090,000 in fact, uh, and that's 70,000 higher than the year before. And on top of the list as to why the show did so well, well, it's a dream match. It's Kurt angle and Shawn Michaels. Let's talk about WrestleMania at this point. This isn't your first WrestleMania. You had uh, previously been in the main event at 19. Uh, you're not in the main event here, but this still feels just as big, doesn't it? Yes, it wasn't the main event, but it was a feature match. You yeah. know, they the company decided to have an interpromotional match between Raw and SmackDown, and I was on SmackDown, and I believe Sean was on Raw, and we had to actually make it work somehow. So they came up with a great concept uh, to start at the Royal Rumble, and uh, it went from there. Would Sean have asked for you? You asked for Sean, or did someone in creative bring this to you guys? I think people in creative just said, Hey, Kurt angle and Shawn Michaels have not wrestled. They've never locked up, never touched. Uh, this would be a dream match for the fans. So, you know, let, let's, let's get a program started and, you know, let's go into WrestleMania. Kurt's not wrestling for the world title. Shawn's not wrestling for the world title. We were open. So it was the right time. It was the perfect timing. Did you find out that this would be your program at the Royal rumble or did you know before that show? I found out the day of the Royal rumble. Okay. Uh, you know, when I was told that I was going to go into the ring during the rumble and I was going to get eliminated like in one minute. <laughs> so it was a pretty quick rumble for me. Uh, Sean super kicked me over the top rope and you know, that's what started the angle. So, uh, it was really exciting time for me because I, I badly wanted to work with Sean. The build really starts, uh, two months prior, as you said, at the Royal rumble, again, you're on SmackDown. You're in the main event. It's a triple threat with the champion JBL and big show. Uh, you don't win that. So you come up with a plan B you're going to bully Nunzio into giving you his rumble spot, which is some fun creative. You come in at number 20 and you clean house for about 30 seconds. And then you meet Sean Michaels. And that's one of those classic things. I think that the company at that point had been doing for like 15 years where these guys almost in a dream scenario have never touched each other, never seen each other, never had an interaction. And then the ring clears at the rumble and it's just them. And you can feel it in the crowd. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, it, it is a good, a good way, a good concept of how to start a program, especially with two people that don't have any history together. And they seem to do that very well at the rumble. It's a great setup because you're going to have 30 athletes enter the rumble. And, you know, if you want a program started between two, you have them do the face off alone in the ring and, 
you know, uh, you know, get one of the guys to eliminate the other, the other guy gets upset, you know, uh, it just starts the, uh, a tremendous program. Uh, they've done it so many times, but the rumble makes it work. The next night on raw things really start to pick up. You do a cool promo where you acknowledge that 96 was a big year, not only for you, but for Shawn Michaels as well. Of course you won the Olympic gold medal, but that's the year he won the Ironman match and became the world champion. Uh, I like the idea that you're sort of referencing, Hey, nine years ago, we felt like we were both peaking and I've got a chip on my shoulder about that. What can you tell us about that? Well, it, it was, I, I didn't really, you know, the, the, the angle the program was that I acknowledged Sean for the Ironman match in right. 1996, 1996. I didn't even know Sean had an Ironman match. <laughs> right. So of course it wasn't a, the real thing. It was, you know, it was a story made up that, you know, I, in 96, you know, Sean Michaels is getting all this attention for winning the Ironman match against Bret Hart. And, uh, you know, I want to go medal with a broken freaking neck and he's getting more attention than I am. Uh, it was, it was well-written. Brian Gewertz wrote it for me. He wrote all my stuff and it was, it was a great concept, a great way to enter into the program. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about Brian, but Brian is most synonymous with the rock. Everybody knows those guys have had a great partnership for a long, long time, but he was really important for a lot of other guys success as well. Not just yours, but edge and Christian as well. Right? Yes. Edge Christian, Chris Jericho, uh, hurricane Helms. He, he, the rock. Yes. He had a, he had a lot of people that he had great chemistry with. He's one of the sort of unsung heroes of WWE. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. He's the MVP. Some of the stuff, you know, all my funny skits, you know, besides the stuff with stone cold, which was Vince pretty much, but all my funny skits were all written by, by Brian. He, he had a knack for it. He loved comedy. He loved stupid comedy. And, uh, you know, he was just, he had a great personality and it, it, it showed in his writing. Were you surprised when he stepped away from wrestling? Yes, but I knew that he wanted to be a writer, like for Hollywood movies, TV shows. Uh, you know, when, when he joined, uh, Dwayne's company, uh, I knew that, uh, we were probably going to see the last of Brian in WWE. Yeah. Uh, I think he's with seven bucks productions. That's right. Yes, sir. So he's writing for them and, uh, you know, great for Brian, great for the rock. He's, you know, he's got the best writer on the planet right now. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, after the Royal rumble, the next big pay-per-view is no way out. And you're going to lose a number one contenders match to John Cena. Uh, so John's going to go on to challenge in the SmackDown main event at WrestleMania and Meltzer would put it, if not for the performance of Kurt angle, who may not have many show saving performances left in him, it would probably have been the worst show of the year candidate. Uh, so a little, uh, backhanded compliment there. I don't know how many more times he can do it, but he credits you with saving the show. I'm sure we'll do a show on it some other time, but what do you remember about your match at no way out with John Cena? It, it was, it was an incredible match. I, I think that, uh, John stepped up big time. He was really hot at the time. So was I, I, I you know, as a heel, you know, half the fans loved me, half the fans hated me. I, I couldn't get it a hundred percent to hate me, but you know, I guess, you know, it had a lot to do with having a good reputation as an, an in-ring worker and entertainer. So, you know, the match with, um, with, with John was, I think, one of our best matches that we did. And 
you know, I, I give him credit for that because he wasn't in the business uh, that long. Right. Uh, he's, he was only in there for, you know, I think three, three years uh, at most. So uh, John did an incredible job and he really stepped up. He actually made me look good. So I, I can't take all the credit for it. I believe John deserves some of the credit too. On February 28th, Sean would defeat uh, Edge in a street fight on Raw. It's a great match, but after the win, you attack Sean in your street clothes. Sean's bloody, and before long, you're totally covered in his blood, too. It's one hell of a visual, and if you go back and watch it on the network now, they even show the replays in black and white. Tell me about that night. Oh, I, I laid in the Sean. I laid him out. I, you know, I got him bloody, and you know, I had my dress clothes on, but, um, you know, he, you know, there was so much blood, he bled all over me. I, I basically, uh, had to throw away my, my outfit and I, I turned in the receipt to the WWE. So they had to pay for it. So, <laughs> uh, but it, it was, it was a great way to continue the program and it got me a lot of serious heat and got Sean, uh, working from underneath. The next week on SmackDown, it's the Kurt Angle Invitational, and a guy comes out in a hoodie, and you assume it's Sean, but it's not. Sean was actually dressed up as a cameraman behind you, and he got a little revenge that night. Pretty fun little creative piece of business there. That was creative. I I thought it was really cool. When I went into work that day and uh, read the script and saw what they were going to do, I thought this is this is genius. You know, having Sean as the cameraman and uh, you know a masked wrestler that. Uh, I didn't know who it was. I thought it was Sean. Uh, so, you know, it, it was, it was really cool that, you know, Sean, you know, put his camera down and, you know, turned me around and, you know, just laid me out. It was, it was a great way to continue the program. And I thought, uh, what a great concept, how they, how they started that, how they put that together. It was, it was genius. On Raw, Sean opens the show, and, and Kurt, you come on the Titan Tron, and you said this Thursday on SmackDown, everything Sean has accomplished in his career, I'll do in four weeks. And on March 10th, the uh, Kurt Invitational was a special ladder match, just like Sean's at WrestleMania 10. You uh, note that a lot of people called it the greatest match ever, but you weren't one of those people. And a local <laughs> guy comes out, and you slap the shit out of him, and it's your first ever ladder match. What do you remember about this? I remember slapping the shit out of <laughs> the match didn't last that long, but it was, it, it was a lot of fun. I, you know, uh, some nights you, you get the night off. It was kind of like that. And, uh, you get to still, you know, show your talents in a different way. And it was me more of being a bully than, you know, a wrestler than competition. So, uh, you know, that, that's the right idea they had for me. And that's, that's what I went with, and it worked out extremely well. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. 
The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil are chewable. That's right, chewable tablets. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our special promo code ANGLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, and the promo code is ANGLE to receive your first month for free. We thank BlueChew for sponsoring this podcast. Of course, instead of hanging the intercontinental titles above the ring for you to climb the ladder for, now you've got your Olympic gold medal. Gold medal. We've had people online ask, did you ever actually use your real Olympic gold medal in any of your WWE stuff, or was that in the safe at the house? I did. When I started, I used my gold medal, and I used it religiously. I also had about 15 other gold medals, but uh, the one real gold medal was – had green um, material on it. Yeah. So um, then uh, what happened was a few months after I debuted, I was in Baltimore at a show and we just got done. It was a TV and I went outside and there were about 5,000 fans waiting there. It was where the wrestlers parked. Right. And I said, Oh man, they're going to, you know, they're going to want my autograph. So I put my bag down to sign autographs and my gold medal was in it. Well, one of the fans stole it. (laughs) So, uh, long, I'll, I'm going to tell you the longer story. This is crazy. So I was going to call the police, yeah. but I did, I called Vince McMahon instead because earlier that night during the show, uh, Stephanie McMahon walked out down the ramp and someone threw a baseball at her and Vince McMahon went to security, said, you find the SOB that did that. I don't care how much money it takes. You tell fans, you will keep offering money until they, say yes until, you know, a hundred dollars if they don't want to do it for a hundred, 200, 300, 400, 500. So uh, security was going around asking the fans and they weren't going to tell. And then, you know, they ended up doing a really high number. And uh, one of the fans said he did it. So, uh, you know, I was thinking in my mind, Vince could do this for me right now. Right. You know, I'm outside. So I, what I did is I called Vince and uh, he didn't answer and uh, so I hung the phone up and I said, someone stole my gold medal. And thank God a fan uh, called that fan that stole it on their cell phone and said, hey, you you just, uh, you know, that, that bag didn't have T-shirts and merchandise in it. It had Kurt's real gold medal. Yeah. You need to bring it back. So the fan brought it back. He said he found it around the corner next oh. to a bus. Yeah, whatever. I was like, whatever, but. Thanks for bringing it back. I appreciate it. So long story short, I stopped using my gold medal right then and there. Vince McMahon decided to make three duplicates uh, that looked exactly like the gold medal. They weren't gold, but they were made out of metal. And um, I used those. Two of them got stolen uh, by a couple of the fans. Whenever I would have my match, I would go out to the ring, take my medal off, place it on the mat or on the steps, and wrestle my match. And one of the fans hopped over and grabbed the medal and hopped back and ran away. So that happened twice. So there was only one left, one duplicate left by the time I left the WWE. 
So, I mean, it's gotta be, I know this sounds silly. That's your most prized possession, right? Oh, without a doubt. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine some dude stealing it and then, wow. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the next fun thing. And boy, everybody who's listening to this knows what's coming. Uh, you bring up how Shawn Michaels, uh, made his debut in 89 with his tag team partner, the strength and the backbone of the rockers, Marty Jannetty, which is just genius. And you said that Jannetty, uh, taught Michaels everything he knew. And next week you're going to teach Sean one more lesson, how to tap out to Kurt angle. Uh, of course, before then raw happens and Marty Jannetty shows up on raw invited by Sean. And he said, if Marty was coming back, he has to do it on raw. And we get a rockers match, which is a pretty cool little chill bump moment. Uh, and then you open SmackDown saying it was a nice try by Sean, but there's no way for Marty to prepare for an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, because the match on uh, Monday was so epic. Marty has a bunch of fan support here when he comes out and there's even a few Marty chants that break out, but it isn't exactly a squash. It's pretty competitive. You give him some offense and he even counters the angle slam, I think twice, but of course, like everyone else, he wound up in the ankle lock. What do you remember about wrestling Marty Jannetty? Well, uh, Marty was great. I, I think that in a lot of ways, he's just like Sean. Uh, I think that. Sean's a little more charismatic, sure. but you know, Marty in the ring, you know, both of them are incredible. So I, I do believe they wanted a competitive match before he wrestled on raw, but I believe that the raw match really, uh, made everybody, the writers and Vince more confident to have a more competitive match. We probably went three or four minutes longer than we should have. And that's because, you know, everybody was with the match. Everybody was into it. The fans loved it. And, uh, Marty did an excellent job. He, he really stepped up that night. The next week, maybe one of the best segments of all time, Sean's music hits and <laughs> out comes you wearing his gear. Uh, you're chewing, Sexy Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> you're chewing gum as hard as you can. It's like a cow chewing grass. You do the pose, you do the little prayer, the pyro hits, even Sherry's here. And, uh, you do the whole, anything you can do, we can do better. And here comes sexy Kurt. I mean, is this like a top five moment in your whole career? That segment is one of the best in the history of WWE. <laughs> Without a doubt. It was one of my favorite moments. I loved being entertaining. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, putting yourself out there, you're taking a chance, but you know, I, I just say, screw it. I'm, I'm, you know, I did my best impression of Shawn Michaels. I know it wasn't that good, but you, you got the hint what I was trying to do. Sure. So, you know, doing all the dancing and, you know, the posing and everything and the praying and, you know, it, uh, hitting the pyro. And <laughs> it I had to watch a few of his matches to understand and see what he was doing. And I, I did the best I could. I know it wasn't that good, but I think it was good enough. This is a Brian segment, right? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. He wrote the words and, uh, he basically wrote the segment. Yes. So tell me about working with Sherry. She's a WWE legend. We don't talk about her enough these days. This is really her last big hurrah on TV. Uh, how was it to work with Sherry that night? She was a complete professional. She, she knew what to do. She, uh, you know, she, she just has a knack for the business. She, she was so experienced and, uh, did everything, didn't make one mistake. You know, she, she just, uh, has 
uh, a lot of talent. She really does. I mean, she doesn't do a lot, but the way she carries herself, the way she acts, the way she portrays is just incredible. She really glows. People love her. I'm curious in a segment like this, because you've had some of the best matches in wrestling history, but you've also had some really comedic home runs. Do you have a preference? I mean, obviously there's gotta be, I shouldn't say, obviously, I don't know, but there's gotta be a bunch of adrenaline in the middle of a match and you can feel that crowd. But when you're doing an entertaining skit like this and you know, it's hitting, how does that compare where you're like, man, I got them. They're in the palm of my hand. It's, it's like hitting a grand slam. It's like winning the super bowl. It's like winning an Olympic gold medal. Um, you know, when you, when you nail it and you know, you did, uh, you can't be happier. It's, I, I enjoy doing that more in the wrestling and you know how much I love getting into sure. wrestling. So, uh, yeah, being entertaining is, was the most important thing to me. And I, I got away from it after a while and I got more into the more intense, uh, wrestling machine, Kurt angle. Yeah. And that, that was because Vince McMahon wanted me to start uh, portraying myself as more serious. Right. Uh, but I loved, I love making an ass out of myself and throwing myself out there. That, that, that was really, you know, that that's the biggest test to show your confidence that if you can go out there and perform and do stuff you're not used to doing and you can do it pretty well, that's, that's a sign of somebody that has talent. When you said and doing I'm not st- just blowing smoke. Well, yeah, well, you were a natural at it. And that's the thing I'm really fascinated in is I get how you were a great wrestler. Like you had been competitive and physical and like that had been such a part of your life for decades at that point. But now when you're really asked to step out of your comfort zone and sort of make an ass out of yourself, you just take to it right away. Was there any, were you self-conscious or nervous at any point during any of this, or does it take just a time or two of it working and clicking and then you just settle in and you're comfortable? Well, you know, the thing is Vince McMahon, when I started, he didn't know what I, the talent I had, he, he thought I was just going to be a a technical wrestler. Right. And, uh, you know, but when I proved myself that I could be entertaining, that's what really, uh, you know, the, the, the lightning ball went off in his head and he said, Oh man, I have someone special right here. I'm going to continue to use him. I'm going to push him very hard. So uh, me showing that I was just as good of an entertainer as I was a technical wrestler uh, gave Vince the confidence to start utilizing me on more entertaining um, segments. So it was, it was a huge compliment from Vince, but um, you know, he, he did the right thing because I, I was, I was pretty good at it. I mean, no doubt. you know, it, it was, it was a lot of fun and I, I had fun doing it. This skit where you're singing sexy Kurt, do you do a walkthrough that day before the doors are open for fans? Or are you doing it out there cold for the first time? I didn't do a walkthrough that day. I don't know why not. Um, we, we did talk, we did talk it over in the ring, but we didn't do like a, you know, we didn't have a, what do you call it? Uh, a rehearsal, a rehearsal. I'm sorry. Uh, but I was practicing under my breath. Sure. You know, I had to get the words, right. I think I'm cute. I got goals. <laughs> I have the moves that make them all tap out the angle slam, the ankle lock Marty Janetti still can't walk. <laughs> I'm just a sexy curve, sexy curve. 
I'll make your ankle hurt. Ankle hurt. That that was just priceless. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> you know, even Sean put it over. <laughs> I mean, Marty Jannetty still can't walk is the funniest line yeah. ever. Uh, then of course, Shawn Michaels comes on the Titan Tron and tells us he wants to show us a video package about his career. Just like we had seen one about Kurt and after it airs, Sherry is visibly impressed and giggles and that pisses you off. You argue with her in the ring. You tell her it's okay. Just give me a kiss. And then you throw her down and put her in the ankle lock <laughs> and she's selling it huge. This is just great stuff, man. And. It's blending, you know, uh, we know these are going to be two great in-ring performers, but we're also telling a story and, you know, inserting a little comedy. This is maybe one of your more entertaining storylines in your whole career. Would you agree? Oh, without a doubt. I think it has a lot to do with Sean. I mean, Sean's the most entertaining wrestler I've ever seen. And to be, you know, um, paired up with him and to have a program with him you just need to step up your game because he's going to step up and he's going to give his best. If you don't give your best, he's going to, you know, he's going to put you in the dust. So I had to, I had to step up to stick with Sean. Meltzer would write in the newsletter, uh, while both men are nowhere close to their better shape as Michaels has had a bad <laughs> knee and angles, medical issues are discussed weekly. Angle has talked about going in with the goal of having the greatest match in the history of wrestling. I'm sure some of that is just hyperbole, but we know this just four weeks into this show, you have really high expectations for yourself. We know the same thing of Shawn Michaels. What was the pressure leading into that match? Like, I mean, obviously you're having fun with some of the skits, but behind the scenes, are you starting to worry? Are we going to be able to deliver? Not because you're not capable, but because you are still both working through some injuries. Well, yeah, we were working through injuries and, you know, I had, I had some stuff going on at the time and Sean did too. And, you know, we just had to, um, focus on what we were going to do in the ring. And we, uh, wanted to, uh, tell a good story in the match and, uh, basically, you know, give our best. That's all we could do. I mean, it was, it was hard because, you know, the, the injuries, they don't sideline you. They, they, they might make you not want to do certain moves, right? but at the same time, it's WrestleMania. You got to let it go. You got to lay it on the line. So Sean and I, you know, besides the injuries, we just said, Hey, uh, let's, let's pretend like this is our last match in our careers, uh, this is the one, and this is the one that people are going to remember forever. So we have to produce. The family continues to grow daily at adfreeshows.com and the feedback we keep hearing. Why didn't I do this earlier? Ad free shows is the place to be for all your favorite shows on video and the exclusive red hot conversations with Conrad as part one with Jim Crockett continues to climb in views and downloads. Plus all the other amazing bonus content, including the sad news bears. Yes, Conrad's infamous group chat has its own show and it's off the rails with characters like the Casio Kid, Dave Silva, Doodoo Trucking Zone, Jeff Jewett, the gimmick attorney Mike Dawkins, and we can't forget the breakout star on Water Dave. Huge Adidas guy. So when Ric Flair signed with Adidas, I was excited to see what they were going to come up with. 
So yeah, Ric Flair, Ric Flair shoes, Ric Flair drip shoes coat so bad. on a bitch. That's the same ones he wore in '89, uh, I think. <laughs> I love how it's got. <laughs> I love how it's got the little Ric Flair silhouette on there. It's got the RF down inside of it. It says, "I'm having a hard time keep holding these alligators down." Does the other shoe have LF on it? <laughs> that might be the best dad joke I've heard. Of the get it out. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> "LF is for left foot." For those still thinking about it, listen. These guys talk current wrestling, past wrestling, wrestling belts, and so many other topics in an entertaining way. So become a part of the family now. Enjoy this and so many other exclusive shows and events by making the decision to sign up today to join the fastest-growing wrestling community at adfreeshows.com. When you're getting ready for a match like that, do you start to you know, consult with some sort of medical physician on the way in of, hey, what can I prepare for? I mean, are you getting things wrapped and taped and a cortisone shot? Or what type of preparation goes into when you know we're building to this one big match and I've got to have everything perfect. Well, I think the most important thing is to be well rested and, you know, uh, whether you get taped up or, you know, cortisone shot, which we didn't do at that point in time, but, um, you know, it's just a matter of making sure that you're prepared and ready. Uh, You know, you're going to, you can work around injuries. That's, that's the thing is, you know, and you can work around the injuries and still have a four or five star match. Yeah. You just have to focus on what you want to accomplish and what you want to stay away from. Before we get to the event itself, I do want to mention the fantastic commercials that were in place for this WrestleMania in particular. We saw The Undertaker as Dirty Harry. We saw Eugene <laughs> as Forrest Gump. Uh, we even saw you get in on the fun as well. You recreated the whole when Harry met Sally. It's you and Christy Hemi. Do you remember that commercial shoot? What can you tell us about that? Oh, it was awesome. We we did it in New York City at the same restaurant that Harry and Sally did it. Uh, wow. Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. Um, it, it, you know, Linda McMahon was there. It, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, uh, we we were doing this. We were we were filming it, and everybody just kept laughing. It was just, you know, uh, we had great chemistry, uh, Christy and I, and it worked really well. And we we just added to the WrestleMania commercials, uh, the entertainment factor. We, you know, I, I don't know if we had the best video, but we were we were up there. We had a pretty entertaining video. Uh, about a week before the match, according to uh, the WWE Network, you told. On the WWE Untold series, uh, I think Sean approached you and said, "I'm not scared of you." W- what, what do you remember of that particular conversation? That seems really random. I, you know what, I was in shock. I, you know, I, the last time I really spoke to Sean before that was Survivor Series when I told him, "Hey, you're pretty good." You know, he was like, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> You know, because I, I didn't know Sean. He was out when I started. He was out uh, with injury, and he didn't come back until a couple years after. Uh, but uh, what, what were we talking about? We about were, when Sean approaches you a week before Mania, I'm not scared oh, of yeah. you. So the next time I see him, you know, he knows he's wrestling me, and he decides to come up, and I guess he just wanted to tell me he's not afraid of me. He said, listen, I'm not scared of you. 
Um, if, if, if it goes down, it goes down. I'm not afraid to fight you. And I was like, okay, I don't know why <laughs> you're saying this, but all right. I respect that. Uh, I, you know, I, I just, I guess cause I was a shooter. Right. And I think that I had a little bit of a reputation of being a little stiff in the ring. So I think that might've added to it. So he was just telling me if I take advantage of him, he's going to fight back. And, uh, you know, I, I respected that. I, I was shocked because I, I've been professional up until then. Uh, you know, I was in the company for five years and, you know, I, I never did anybody wrong. So I'm not sure why he said it, but, uh, you know, it was a shocking, it was, it was the shock factor. It was really, uh, crazy that, you know, he was gonna, he said this to me, it was really, you know, blew my mind. <laughs> Help me understand. I, you, you, meant, you said something there. I'd never really heard. I had a reputation for being Steph in the ring, but I had never heard anyone say, Oh, Kurt angle hurt me. You didn't have any right. sort of reputation for hurting anybody at that point. Right. Just Bob Holly. When I moonsaulted for the first time and uh, I, I felt I went short and my shin hit his arm and broke his arm. Right. I felt so badly for him. I went to the hospital with him and I felt like I needed to spend the night with this guy because it, it's the only time I injured somebody. And it was, it was my fault. But again, but that's not from being a shooter. I never had, yeah, I, I didn't have a reputation of hurting anyone or taking advantage of anyone. Right. So I'm not sure why he said it. Now, you know, I know we're going to tell the story another time. We're just, we're not that many months removed from the Daniel Pewter incident, but it's not like backstage you whip Daniel's ass or anything. So I don't know. That always just came out of left field for me that Sean felt the need to tell you, Hey, I'm not scared of you. Yeah. I, I, am not sure why I, you know, I, I'm not, well, what, what was, what would, why would Daniel Peter have to do something would have to, why is that uh, correlation with Sean? Well, I, I just think that was the only time that anyone ever even speculated, oh, something got real in the ring with Kurt and Not it wasn't yet. exactly you taking advantage of him. You guys were working and it became a whole nother story and we'll tell it another time, but there was never like a, cause we've seen guys way, way back in the day, you know, 25, 30, 40 years ago, there's tape of guys really taking liberties with enhancement talent. You never had that right. reputation at all. <laughs> well, I, I did when I did the Kurt Angle invitationals. Cause I, <laughs> Vince McMahon wanted me to be really stiff. He wanted, he wanted me to lay in, uh, you know, like the slap on the one kid yeah. at the ladder match. I, you know, I, I laid into these guys. It, it was, it was, a it was a bully technique and Vince McMahon wanted me to bully everybody during the invitationals. And I did that. Um, but that's the only time I ever laid in the so, talent. So maybe that's it. Well, the result is a fantastic <laughs> match. Uh, the show got 89.4% thumbs up and overwhelmingly check this out on the best match poll, Randy Orton and the undertaker got 23 votes in the observer, the ladder match, which was the first ever money in the bank ladder match got 114 votes. But you and Sean got 607 votes. That's Uh-oh. a runaway. You guys had the best match of the night. And I think a lot of people were surprised. I'm curious, were you surprised? You got a bigger reaction coming out than Sean Michaels. This guy's Mr. WrestleMania. He's been established for a long time. He's been here for ever. And you get the bigger reaction. Were you surprised by that? Yes and no. I, I you know, I, I was getting really over 
as a as a pro wrestler. I, I the fans started taking a, a big liking to me, even though I was a heel. Actually, the fans liked me more when I was a heel than when I was a babyface. Right. And it had a little bit to do with me wrestling Austin when Austin was a heel and I was a babyface. Of course, the fans, you know, Austin was over, period. Yes. You know, he was yeah. the guy of the company. So, you know, it was a little uh, harder for me to, uh, uh, shit, what, what was I talking about? Just talking about the big reactions and how you were getting over oh. here and even a bigger reaction than Sean. Yeah, and I, I was getting great reactions from the fans. And I, I was surprised I got a bigger reaction than Sean, but I think it had a lot to do with me getting myself over the past couple of years and um, being newer. You know, it's, I was a newer, fresh talent coming up through the ranks and Sean was established there for what, 15 years, right? At least. So, um, I think that had a little bit to do with it. Let's talk about the match itself. Uh, Sean has been known to be a ring general. Ric Flair even famously said that he didn't get to call a spot in his final match. It was all Sean. Sean laid it out and had a vision for what he wanted it to be. How far in advance do you and Sean start talking about the actual match here? Is that something that's a week out day of, or call it in the ring? We, we, we structured some of the match. Um, I'd say about four days prior to WrestleMania, uh, we, we got together. We never locked up. Um, we only rehearsed one move. Uh, he had me in an arm bar. I had to lift him up over my head and he would do a sunset flip into a false finish, a roll up. And, uh, I wanted to see if I could lift them. That's the only thing we practiced. We didn't do anything else. Uh, we did talk about a comeback and finish. Um, we talked a little bit about how we were going to start at the beginning. But Sean is such a pro. I mean, you know, I would say him, Undertaker, Triple H, and Stone Cold are four of the best in-ring workers that can produce, you know, great matches on the fly. They can call it out there. They can they can do anything. They can call the whole match. They can call part of it. They can just call it in the ring. Uh, so, you know what I meant by calling the match, be, calling the match beforehand, or calling the match beforehand part of the match, or you know calling the match while you're in the ring is what I meant. Yeah. And um, they can do all of them. They're just uh, really that talented and that, that experienced. You know, at that point in my career. You know, I was about five years in, maybe six. Um, I still didn't have the overall ability to call it 100% in the ring. But Sean did. Sean was a complete pro. So who was the agent for the match? Do you recall? Are they involved in the match at all? Pat Patterson. Oh, wow. And Pat usually, you know, structures 80% of the match. I mean, he's that good. He... He, he would do it. He did it for me and the rock. And, you know, he had a lot of guys that he favored, but you know, the guys that wanted to work with him and, uh, you know, Pat at this WrestleMania with Sean, he said, listen, you guys are both pros. I'm going to let you guys structure it. I'll just tell you if I don't like something or if you need to change something, but you guys do it. And, and Sean and I did it. We structured a comeback and finish and talked a little bit about the beginning and, uh, it just worked. Uh, you know, we, we were, we were both pros and, you know, we, we didn't really need a, an agent or a producer, whatever you want to call them, 
but um, Pat was our producer and he was always involved with stuff. So, you know, this time, not so much. Do you get, or, or does Sean get to pick the referee? Is that assigned by the agent or how does that work for a big match like this? I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think that, uh, the, the writers and Vince decide the referees, unless a wrestler really likes a referee. Like, uh, when I was in TNA, I would use Brian Hebner. I right. love them. I love this style. Uh, we worked great together. When you have good chemistry with a referee, you want to have them in the ring. So I understand, uh, why a lot of wrestlers want that, but we, we didn't pick the referee. No. Who were your favorite WWE referees? Do you recall? Uh, uh, Charles Robinson, um, uh, Mike Kyoto, yeah, uh, and Brian Hebner when he was there. Yeah. I, I love Brian. Yeah. You're wearing one of our favorite singles, uh, or singlets rather in this match. Uh, talk to us about how your designs were done. Is that something you're involved in? Do the WWE seamstresses handle it? Did you have someone outside do it? How did that happen? I had a seamstress. Her name was Yolanda and she did incredible job of structuring my singlets. All I would tell her is make sure it's red, white, and blue and a little bit of gold. That's, that's all I would say. I said, you go ahead and do the design and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll wear it. So, uh, she, she had incredible, uh, designs that she made for me and, uh, I really enjoyed them. So I didn't have to put a lot of thought into it uh, yeah. from the, from the first time she made me one, I was, I was wowed by it. And I was like, all right, I don't have to put any creativity in this. She's pretty creative herself. So uh, I do have to thank her for some really awesome singlets. Pardon the interruption. I hope you're enjoying the Kurt Angle show. Did you know that there's an official store for the podcast? It's called boxagimmicks.com. It's where you can find shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more all related to the Kurt Angle Show. It is one of the best ways to support the podcast. So check out boxagimmicks.com and thank you for listening to the Kurt Angle Show. So let's talk about the match. You're face-to-face, you're smiling at each other, and you mouth to him, what's with that smile on your face? It's not <laughs> going to be there after this is over. And Sean replies, it'll be there, it'll be there. And you say, we'll see. Now, none of this is even really picked up on the microphone. I mean, you can sort of read your mouth and say what you're saying. But does this help sort of get you in the mentality for the physicality you're about to do? Or what's the thinking when you're you're mouthing off to each other, but a microphone is not really present? Well, you know, your adrenaline is pumping. The match is about to begin. You're fired up and you have to act like you want to kick his ass. Right. So you got to, you got to play it out. You have to say the verbiage. You got to have the body language. You got to produce the match. You got to. You know, make er- make sure everything is intense and believable, especially in a match like this. This was a huge, enormous feature match, and we didn't want to lay anybody down. So we, you know, the the emotions were very real. And uh, you know, Sean with that smirk on his face, I wanted to slap him in the face as it was. <laughs> I mean, Sean is a cocky, arrogant son of a gun, and and rightfully so. Sure. He can back it up. But, you know, it's, you just want to slap him in the face when he does that. You know, he has a certain smirk. It's just a smart-ass smirk. And, uh, you know, you want to you knock his face off. So I, I just, uh, you know, I initiated the, the conversation, you know. And Sean said, slaps you here. not going to be there after I'm done with you. 
to really get you in the mood, Sean slaps you. And then you guys are off from there. You're shooting for the leg and we do some mat wrestling to begin. And that's not the way a lot of people probably expected this match to go. What's the thinking in we're going to start and, and show some amateur stuff to get us started. Well, I think that we wanted to lay out a good, uh, psychological story. Um, we wanted to, even though we were jumping each other, you know, one thing Pat Patterson always told us was if you get jumped backstage or a week prior to your match, it doesn't mean you have to jump start the match. It means you and him are going to go one-on-one like real men and wrestle it out for the victory. So no matter if someone attacks you and you say, well, I'm not going to go out there and lock up with him. He attacked me and I'm going to attack him back in that ring. Pat Patterson had a great concept, uh, uh, you know, great psychology about, you know, um, beating him like a man. And that means to out wrestle them. Yeah. So Sean and I had that concept in our head. We had that idea that we wanted to, prove to each other who the better wrestler was, not the better brawler. So that's why we did what we did. So we start with a lot of mat wrestling and man, you're flying a lot of fast, intense movements. It looks very real. And then we'd start to do a little bit of pro wrestling. And eventually you pick Sean up for an angle slam, but instead of hitting it on the ground, you hit it on the ring post and the crowd responds. It looks vicious. Um, and Meltzer would say it actually hit your ha- his hamstring, but not his lower back, but either way getting flung into the ring post fans are going to resonate. I mean, that move's going to resonate with fans. What do you remember about that? Well, he didn't hit his hamstring. He, he hit his ass. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I didn't have him lined up properly and I, I went backward and, you know, Sean, it, it was a little lower on his body, but it, it did the job. It, it, you know, it, it made sense. It, there, there was nothing wrong with the move, whether I hit his lower back or his ass. I think the fans got the idea yeah. of what I was trying to do. Uh, but it, it, it's a vicious move. And because I didn't hit it right, I never used it again. But it, it was a great, great con- – actually, Sean came up with the idea. And uh, we, we used it because Sean, Sean came up with it. And I thought it was – Awesome. I said, you know, I can use this as a heat spot anytime yeah. I, you know, I want to stop a wrestler. Uh, but when I didn't hit the move right, I decided not to use it anymore. <laughs> so that was the first and last time I used it. The fans start a, a dueling, let's go angle, let's go Michaels chant. Um, when you're in the ring, in the heat of a match like that, is that something you even hear? Or are you sort of blocking out the sound and everything's slowing down? And what is that like inside the ring at that moment? You know, I, I don't hear much in that ring, uh, but but you have to, you can't just focus on the match. You got to show emotion. You got to include the crowd. You need to, um, you know, have a bigger personality that expands beyond the wrestling ring, and um, you know, so uh, not not you know not doing that would be really, um, you know, the the psychology is you want to. You want to include the crowd and you need to, um, interact. show that, huh? You got to interact with them. You need yeah, to yeah. So, acknowledge you know, them. Uh, but, but when you're in that ring, you have to pause and register the crowd and then go back to the match. So, right. so it's like you're, you're 
opening one door and then closing it, getting back inside the ring. You're opening the door again to include the crowd, show your emotion and everything, and then get back in the ring. But when I'm in that ring and I'm wrestling, all I hear is myself breathing. That's it. I mean, it's it's really intense, and I, I don't really allow the crowd to come in only when I want the crowd to come in. After I hit a move, I'll get up and do my little dance, and that's the time to acknowledge the crowd. So I try to focus just on my match 100%, but, you know, when, at the right time, I come out of that intense, you know, focus and include the crowd. Let's talk about your breathing for a minute. Sean goes for a plancha off the top rope onto the floor, and it looks like he almost slips and it almost looks like his knee hits you in the face on the way down. And for the rest of the match, you're bleeding out of the mouth. What do you remember about what happened there? Uh, well, he did hit me in the mouth and I had a big gash in my lip. Um, and it bled and tremendously, it just wouldn't stop. Uh, I even, you know, at one point in the match, I decided to make it more dramatic I just started spitting blood out and letting it hang and drool from my lip. You know, we were slowly crawling in the ring and I wanted to, I was like, this is going to be really dramatic. If I just let the blood just kind of fall to the mat while I'm crawling towards Sean and Sean's crawling to me and we're building up to get started again. And it was after a double down and uh, it, it was, it was really cool. The fans got into it and, you know, I, I knew it was a really cool scene to look at. Let's talk about another big moment here in the match. You're trying, uh, your first attempt at a German suplex off the ring apron onto the floor. Basically the spot is you're pulling back as hard as you can, arching your back. The other wrestler of course is holding on Sean escapes and uh, kicks you onto the table. The crowd reacts because they know something's coming and it's a springboard moonsault. Sean lands on you and the table doesn't break. Carry me through that sequence because teasing a German to the floor is scary. And then there's the big table spot, but the table's not cooperating. Well, I believe that's the first time I uh, teased the German from the top, from the rope, from the ring apron. Yep. And um, it w- I got the idea from Johnny Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace. And uh, so, you know, I never really hit the German. Sure. I used it a few times, but it, it was a great idea to, to uh, kind of scare the fans and get them on the edge of their seat. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you want to, you know, you, you give them the, you know, you the give them the bait, and then you take it away. And we did that, but we gave him the bait when Sean hit his moonsault on top of me. So it was like, we we're giving him the German. They were like, oh my God, it's going to happen. And then he doesn't, he knocks me to the floor and I end up on the table and, uh, and the fans are like, oh man. And then Sean does the moonsault and they go nuts. They pop yeah. So it was a really emotional time in the match and the table didn't break. Oh my gosh. The the worst part about that is you feel every bit of Sean coming down on you. He's 200 pounds. He's doing a moonsault from eight feet in the air, probably 10 feet across to where the table is. And you're taking all of it. It, it was really painful. And uh, you know, the table not breaking, you want the table to break because it gives. Yeah. And it takes a lot of the blow away. That's, that's the trick to it. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately it didn't break. And I, I, I got the wind knocked out of me and, you know, was sore for a few days. So that's the most painful thing that happens in the match, even more so than the need of the mouth. Right. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. The table spot. Yes. 
Meltzer would write of this match in the ring. Michaels did the nip up and hit the elbow off the top. Michaels went for the super kick, but angle caught the foot and put him in an ankle lock. Michaels rolled through, but angle held on. Michaels made the ropes. And then he put the move on again, but Michaels cradled out for a near fall. Angle blocked another super kick and angle finally hit the angle slam in the ring for a near fall. So lots of near falls here. When you were laying out the match ahead of time, are you guys thinking about all of these near falls or are you just calling all of this in the ring on the fly? No, we, we would <laughs> WrestleMania. You don't want to call WrestleMania on the fly. You got, you have to be prepared. Right. Um, you know, some guys don't have that great of memories, but uh, some guys do. That's, you know, part of the reason you call it in the ring, especially when you're experienced is because you don't remember as much as you need to. So you just remember the certain spots that you need to, you know, put in the match and structure and then call everything else. But at WrestleMania, you got to be prepared from beginning to end. You have to, you know, Sean and I didn't have a lot of the heat uh, called. We, we would call that on the fly, but we did structure the match and we had all the false finishes were there on purpose and they were there to snag the fans uh, a few different times. I thought we did a good job of that. And that's what, that's what made that match. So special was the false finishes were incredible. You did something else here that you don't normally do. You, you tinker with your straps a little bit. Uh, a lot of old time <laughs> fans remember Jerry Lawler used to drop the strap and that meant here comes the fit. That's where I got finish. it from. I stole from Jerry. <laughs> okay. Tell us about that because here you put them back on almost like, wait a minute, we're not done. I'm going back in. Well, I, I took my straps off earlier in the match and to show that I was going to end the match. And it was a teaser, yeah, uh, of course. And uh, Sean got out of it. And uh, so my straps were down. We had a few false finishes that we went through. And uh, by the time I got to doing the ankle lock again, I was like, you know what? My straps are already down. I'm going to put them back up. So I put them back up, pause, and took them back down again. So... The fans liked it. I mean, they, they probably were like, what the hell is he doing? And then when I pulled him down, they got it. So, yeah. uh, it, it was a pretty cool spot. You go for the big moonsault. Sean rolls out of the way. You come crashing down on your chest. And I think you said on the WWE doc, uh, that you knocked the wind out of yourself here in that move, right? The second time I knocked the wing wind out of myself that after the table spot, this was the second time. Whew. Yeah. So it was, uh. You know, the, the hard part is when you go 30 minutes and you get the wind knocked out of you a couple of times, uh, you're going to get tired a lot faster. Oh, yeah. Because you're not breathing. You know, the wind is not in you. So that's why they said you got the wind knocked out of you. So it's hard to breathe. And, uh, you know, at that point in the match, it was it was pretty damn hard to breathe, especially having the wind knocked out of me. Sean goes to the top, but you bounce up and hit the angle slam off the top rope. All the crowd is on their feet at this point. No one is sitting down. Unbelievably Sean kicks out and you're screaming at him that spot where you do the angle slam off the top rope. That's a badass spot that fans still remember to this day. It is pretty cool. I, I, you know, I never knew I could do it. I, I remember I tried it once in 2003 and, uh, I just ran up the ropes and grabbed the guy and angle slammed them and uh, never practiced it. I never practiced my moonsault either. Uh, the, the day I, the first day I did it was in a match against Bob Holly, and the, the same thing with uh, the angle slam off the top rope. Crazy thing is I never missed it. I always ran up the ropes and hit it, which is 
unbelievable because it's so easy. You know, when you're wrestling in that ring for 30 minutes, the, the ropes get sweaty, uh, you know, things get a little, you know, you get tired and, you know, you might miss a step or, you know, slip on the ropes. And it, it's really easy to screw up and to, to have a focus that you don't screw up and nail that every time is, is really difficult. But for some reason, I was able to. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. But you know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Major moment here after you uh, have him kick out of the uh, angle slam off the top rope. He eventually gets to his feet. He pushes you back, hits the chin music. He takes forever to cover you and you kick out at 2.9. Is there anything better than hearing that crowd reaction when you get your shoulder up at the very last possible second? <laughs> no, no, it's the best feeling in the world. One, two. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, that, that you know what I was very well known for the two and nine tenths kickouts. Yes. Actually, you know, two point nine 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 tenths kickouts. So I, I I was really uh, close to getting pinned many times, but I knew the referee knew not to count the three. So I always tried to go as late as I possibly could, especially later in the match. You know, there's a psychology. You know, the first false false finish, you kick out at one, maybe two. Then the second false finish, you kick out two, maybe two and a half. Then the third false finish, you know, two and nine tenths. Yeah. Uh, so you want to, you know, build. be slower on the kick out. Yeah. Build the kick out. So, uh, you know, I was really, um, well known for that. I had a bad re- or bad or good reputation. Not sure. But, you know, even Vince told me, Hey, car, you need to kick out a little quicker. You're putting, <laughs> a, you're putting pressure on the referees. <laughs> and he was right. I mean, a lot of fans that didn't like me would say, Oh, he was pinned. You should have counted that, you know? So, uh, uh, some of the referees did take some of the heat for it. What's the magic for the last millisecond count out? Unfortunately, someone years ago told me, oh, just watch the guy's eyes. And then you can see he's watching the referee. And so now I know, okay, that's not going to be the finish he's watching. <laughs> but sometimes I wonder, when do you know? Cause even if you're watching, there's gotta be something you're looking for a shoulder, an elbow, a hand. What's the magic that you're looking for to know? Okay. Now's the time. My magic was not looking. Really? I, I didn't look. No, I, I listened. Okay. One, two, you know, the third one's coming at the same Cadence. time yeah. lapse in between. Yeah. So one, two, kick. I Got would it. kick right when the hand would come down. So I didn't watch. I just listened and it, it seemed to work for me pretty well. Yeah, no doubt. I'm sure. I'm sure there were a couple of times where I actually pinned myself, uh, but the referee didn't call it. <laughs> Well, eventually you rise from the dead. You pull in the ankle lock. Sean kicks out multiple times, but you hold on. And then you grapevine Sean with your legs. The crowd pops big. Sean's fighting as hard as he can to not tap. It might be the longest ankle lock at this point in wrestling history, but it's great. And eventually Sean taps, uh, Meltzer gave it four and three quarter stars. It's 27 minutes, 25 seconds. He called it this year's classic match. The finish made the match significantly better. And most often in big matches, that isn't the case. 
So the finish is what he really loved. Uh, carry me through what you remember about that match finally coming to an end. Well, Sean, you know, he sold that ankle lock. Anyone I've ever seen, um, you know, he, he, it wasn't just that he drew it out. It's the way he sells the way he gets the people into it. The shaking his arms and his head and grabbing his head and pulling his hair. Like he's, you know, wants to tap and pretending to tap and, his body starts bouncing and, you know, he just, he, he has a great way about selling uh, that that's his strongest suit. And, and, and that's, that's a hard thing to say because his wrestling is incredible, but his selling is what makes Sean. That's, that's what makes him so incredible. That's what makes him the best entertainer of all time. And uh, you know, the match at WrestleMania just proved that, you know, Sean is the best and, you know, I was I was very thankful to be able to wrestle him and have at least one match with him. Was there any debate as to what the finish was going to be, meaning who was going to go over? I ask because this is Sean's first loss at a WrestleMania since WrestleMania 14. Uh, he had been uh, winning pretty consistently when he did wrestle, even on his return. And now here you're going over. Was there any debate that you recall? Well, Vince left it up to us. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't know that he did. Uh, what happened was when I met with Sean four days before WrestleMania, uh, we we went to the uh, place where they they structured the matches. You know, the ring at the hotel. They had like a party room where they had a ring set up, and um, Sean came to me and said, "Hey, listen, uh, we we don't have a finish for WrestleMania, but." I think you should go over by tap out. And this is why I think you're going to do a program with Batista is what he told me. And uh, we need to make you look really strong. So I was like, wow. Uh, you know, Shawn Michaels just basically say he's going to do a job for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tap out. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, uh, didn't know if he was serious, but you know, it, it, it was, uh, it showed me that he respected me and that, um, you know, he knew that we would have an incredible match and it wouldn't matter whether he won or lost. So, uh, I do understand the program with Batista, which never happened, but, uh, I'm sure it was supposed to. Um, but you know, Sean just decided to, uh, let me win. And, you know, without the guarantee that we were going to wrestle again, because there weren't any plans of us wrestling after that. You leave the Not ring at that point, right? You leave the ring and say, I'm the best in the business right here. And then Sean gets his own standing ovation and he applauds the crowd back and thanks them. Uh, but the crowd is really appreciative of what they've just seen. Is this planned ahead of time that you would leave the ring first and then give him a moment after he lost to sort of acknowledge the crowd and little feel good moment. No, it, it, it wasn't planned, but you know, Sean was down selling and you know, we, we did uh, go two two and a half minutes over our allotted time. I think we we're uh, set for 25. We went almost 28. So I was just trying to hustle out of the ring to get out of there. So the next match could start and the fans just took the Sean and was like, this was awesome. Sean, you are awesome. Uh, the match was awesome. Uh, you know, you deserve a standing ovation. And 
Sean gracefully accepted it, and it was really cool. The uh, I've only seen that a couple of times in my life, and the other the other time was Royal Rumble when I wrestled uh, Chris Benoit, and I exited the ring with Team Angle, and uh, he got a standing ovation. Uh, that was for the world title back then in 2003. Those are the only times I've seen the standing ovations after a match, but that's me personally. Um, uh, I'm sure it's happened before many times, but when you get that kind of reaction from the crowd, that's about respect. That's about, you got, you got, you know, you got 20,000 fans there that absolutely love Sean and uh, his performances. So they're, they're given that, uh, you know, that recommend, you know, they're just giving them that, 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 you know, the the icing on the tip of the, you know, or the cherry on top of the, yeah. uh, All those cliches. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It just uh, was really cool to see that. Meltzer would write angle and Michaels came in with probably even more pressure than anyone because people were expecting nothing short of a classic match and they got it. It will be a match that people will be talking about every March for years to come like Steamboat and Savage, Michaels and Razor, Brett and Owen, uh, Hart and Austin, and even last year's match with Benoit winning the title over Triple H and Michaels. Great matches at WrestleMania, because of the setting, seem to be remembered far more than great matches on any other night, and this was one of the best matches of the year. Uh, it would go on to win the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Match of the Year Award as well. Uh, probably no surprise, I guess, when you look back, but when the match is over, were you pleased? Were you happy? Yeah, you know, it was the first time in my life that I said, I nailed this. Um, I didn't feel that way at the Olympics because I was not healthy, my neck broken. Um, uh, you know, my match with Chris Benoit, I had a, I just had knee surgery, and I thought I was rusty in the ring in the, at the Royal Rumble 2003. But, you know, my match with Undertaker um, in No Way Out 2006 – uh, which those two matches are that and Sean's match are my three favorites. Uh, I, I didn't have, um, what was I just talking about? Uh, I nailed it. First time. Oh yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't feel that way on either match because I had a broken neck when I wrestled undertaker. Right. Um, I had a knee injury when I wrestled Bamwa and I just didn't think it was a hundred percent. Um, but with Sean, I felt like I nailed the match. It was the first time that I said, this match is almost close to being perfect. Uh, all the stars aligned and everything just went our way. It was, it was an incredible match and I was very proud of it. So I knew that I nailed it. I knew this would be considered one of my greatest matches of all time and possibly the greatest match of all time, at least in the top 10. I want to give a heads up, you know, on all of my commercials for SaveWithConrad.com, you hear me say you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. I say that because I want you to understand we're going to work with you right now, even if you don't qualify right now. You see, we don't believe in no at First Family Mortgage. We believe in not yet. But don't take my word on that. Check out this five-star review from Nathan in Hobart, Indiana. He says, the level of personal service I received was fantastic. When I first contacted your office, I was not ready to get the best rate. Francis made a point to check with me every few months, just like she said she would during our initial call. Finally, my wife and I were ready and the process was smooth sailing after that. Thank you all so much for saving us $300 a month. 
and lowering our interest rate from 4.65 to 3.125. Most of all, thank you for being nice people. Everyone we dealt with was great. The idea is even if your circumstance isn't right just yet, we're going to work with you and get you some advice on how to increase your credit score, increase your buying power, just get you on the right path to home ownership. We're not going to treat you like the big banks do, like you're just another number. This is First Family Mortgage, and you're our podcast family. And we want to help you save some cash and get on the right track for what your short-term goals are and your long-term goals. If you're looking to save money each and every month, we can help at SaveWithConrad.com. If you're looking to consolidate all of your debt and get it down into one monthly payment and kiss those high interest rate credit cards goodbye forever, we can help you at SaveWithConrad.com. If you're looking to pay your house off faster, we can do it at SaveWithConrad.com. Or maybe you're just looking to buy your first home and you're not exactly sure where to start. You start at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. No matter your circumstance, SaveWithConrad.com can help you get a plan. In the weeks leading up to the match, Dave would write, I expect Michaels to win because if nothing else, he doesn't like to lose and angle doesn't seem to care. And he didn't attend the after party that year at WrestleMania. And he's just going straight back to the hotel room and he's there with his wife and kids. And she wants to know if everything's okay. And according to the WWE documentary, he says, I'm living the greatest life you could ever live. So we know what he did after the show. How did you celebrate your big night? Do you remember? Oh gosh. Well, we just, I just went to the after party and, uh, you know, hung out with the boys and girls and, uh, we just talked about WrestleMania and a lot of the matches, you know, I, I, we, we also watched WrestleMania. We, we would put it on a big screen and, uh, we would, you know, watch as much as we could before it was time for bed. But, you know, it, that's all you can do is celebrate WrestleMania because you got to go to work the next day. You're not going to stay up all night. You got raw the next morning. Uh, so, uh, it's a very short celebration, but you know, having the after party, it's always a good idea to go to that. Uh, shade. One of our listeners here asked a question on Twitter. And by the way, you guys picked this topic. We put a poll up this week to say, Hey, what do you want Kurt to talk about this week? And uh, we put up a poll you voted in this one. If you want to vote in what we're talking about next week, cruise on over to the angle pod on Twitter. And that's where shade had a great question. What's your fondest memory of this night? Be it in or out of the ring. Oh, my fondest memory was being in the ring that that was, you know, it's like I said, it was the first time that I, I was really proud of the match. Um, I felt like, my my work of art was completed properly and done perfectly. Um, you know, it was it was that type of match. It was just special in every way, from beginning to end. I, I you know, you you watch the match over and over. You can pick out some flaws here and there, but for the most part, that match was as perfect perfect as it could get. Everything about it, the psychology, the the false finishes. You know, the, the amount of time on the heat, the wrestling at the beginning, the finish. The finish was awesome because a lot of feature matches don't have straight-up finishes. It's a ref gets bumped or there's a someone cheats. This right here, we had a baby heel match, and you had a straight-up victory from the heel. That's what made the finish so special. That's why Dave Meltzer loved it is because there wasn't any shenanigans in it. It was just straight-up done deal. And, uh, 
so that you know that that's what I'm most proud of. That's what that's my fondest memory is the match. When you when you walk back through the curtain that night, is this one of those standing ovation from the locker room type deals, or what does Vince oh, yes. say? Yes, it was. Uh, a lot of the talent came into the gorilla. If they didn't, they were outside waiting where the TV was set up backstage, where there were a bunch of seats set up. Talent viewing. Uh, for yeah. everybody, yeah, to view it. Uh, we got a standing ovation. We got in the gorilla. Then we walked through the, the room where the TV was and standing ovation. And it was just like we, we knew that we just had the best match of the year. And uh, there was <laughs> nobody that was going to contest that. Uh, but you know what? You have Sh- Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle. Uh, what did you expect? Do, do you remember the reaction from Pat Patterson or uh, Vince McMahon after the match? Pat was over the moon about it. He was like, he was crying. He was crying. I, I, I Pat was an emotional guy, especially when you had an incredible match. And he knew how, how hard we worked on this match and what we wanted to accomplish. And he he was crying. He was so proud of us. But, and also, you know, Sean and me and the rock were his three favorite wrestlers. So, you know, Pat took an extra uh, interest in us and uh, cared about us a little bit more than the other wrestlers. Not that he showed it, but yeah. you knew it. I mean, you know, he, he worked with the guys he really enjoyed working with and he enjoyed working with Sean rock and me. And, uh, you know, him getting emotional just made me emotional. Uh, what about uh, Vince McMahon? Does he give you a hug when you come through or have a discussion yes, with yes. him? And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it another time, but, you know, Vince and I were, were um, uh, I guess, uh, we were, uh, what's the word? Uh, not fighting, but we were having some arguments <laughs> over certain things that sure. at that time, but, he, you know, he forgot about it that night. He gave me a big hug and said, I'm so proud of you. And, uh, you know, that was, that meant a lot to me because I was struggling through some things at the time and Vince wasn't real happy with me. I made a lot of mistakes and, you know, for him to say, forget about the tonight, let's just, let's just celebrate what you accomplished because he said, you are the best. That's wow. what he told me. He said, you are the best. Right or wrong, Sean has been criticized over the years for occasionally uh, going a little too long. Uh, famously at WrestleMania 10, he went so and long. And we did at WrestleMania 21. That's too. what I wanted to ask. Do you remember what your time was supposed to be? It winds up at 27, 25. You went long, though, you remember? Yeah, we were supposed to go 25. Oh, well, that's not it bad. Was, it was allotted for 20. Okay. And Sean went and asked for five extra minutes, which is crazy because, you know, I, I, how many, you know, how how many matches were at WrestleMania that year? A lot. Yeah. So, uh, he asked for more time and they gave it to him and he still went over, (laughs) (laughs) but everybody forgot because the match was so damn good. Like nobody was pissed off. And none of the wrestlers were like, these bastards went, you know, three minutes over. I have a match coming up. You know, It, it, it was like, we had the match of the night and nobody could contest it. So everybody was like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not saying anything. So, you know, Sean just took the liberty of, you know, going over a little bit. He knew it wasn't over much, but uh, Sean did have a little bit of a reputation of taking up some time, but Sean was the best. He always knew exactly when he was going to finish. Yeah. He had a knack for time. Like 
nobody. In other words, on Raw or SmackDown, if he had a segment and he had to be done in 10 minutes, he was done in 10 minutes exactly. Yeah. Whether it was a promo or a match, he had a knack for time, not even looking at a watch. Yeah. He just knew, you know, and, and the ref would cue him, but he would he would know uh when the 10 minutes was up and he would finish at that time. He had a great knack for time. So Vince knew at WrestleMania, him going over was on purpose. It yeah. wasn't accidental because Sean had a great knack for time. One last question. Then we'll wrap this one up. Uh, we got lots of questions that were similar to this. Liam wants to know out of all the people you've wrestled in your career, who comes closest as an in-ring performer to Shawn Michaels? Keegan says throughout all your classics and not just WWE, but TNA as well. Where do you rank Sean amongst the best athletes you've been in the ring with? I asked because AJ styles and Shawn Michaels have often been compared. Uh, would you deem styles the same rare breed and special talent that you do Shawn Michaels? Yes, I, I, I agree. I think that AJ and Sean are, are both, um, deserve the, the top honors for being two of the best of all time. Um, you know, AJ, you know, not, being so much in the WWE all these years, but uh, what he was able to produce in TNA and what he's been able to produce in WWE uh, gives him the right to be up there. Um, you know, I, I, the thing is working both of them uh, doesn't matter how many times I worked with them. I worked with AJ 300 times. I only worked with Sean three, right? but they, they just, uh, they made you look better than you are. And you, when you wrestled them, you had the night off. If you wanted to work extra hard, you could work extra hard, but uh, they did everything for you. In other words, they did all the moves. They would do the flying around, you know, they would bump and feed. And, you know, it was AJ and Sean just had a a great psychology uh, and they were incredible athletes. And um, they, they laid it out in the ring every single time. They, they were two of the best that I've ever wrestled. Well, this is a great podcast, man. I don't know what I was expecting today, but we spent an hour and and 15 minutes nearly talking about a single match and I was entertained the entire time. You know, I know the reason you're able to do this is because you're full of protein because you've been over there at (laughs) physicallyfit.com. And when you go over there, you're going to see chicken snacks and man, all my friends are using these now. Sriracha seems to be the hit here in Huntsville and you like Kung Pao, right? I like the Kung Pao. I like, uh. The, the sweet barbecue is awesome. This is, this is my favorite. This has a great flavor. It has some peanuts in it. So it's a little higher in, a little bit higher in fat, not much, but, uh, this is, this is the, the product right here. The Buffalo, uh, wing and blue cheese is the cleanest that, that has no sugar and, uh, 70 grams of protein per bag. And it's, it's really good for you. It tastes incredible. The, the, the flavors on these are, are off the charts. They're go check really them out. If you haven't already, it's physicallyfit.com. And when you go there, you can uh, click where to buy and find a store near you, but you can also scroll to the bottom and click order online. That's where you'll see brown sugar, cinnamon with pretzels, honey, mustard with pretzel pieces, sour cream and onion with bagel pieces and rice sticks, spicy Buffalo and blue cheese that he just mentioned. Uh, how about jalapeno ranch with peanuts and almonds? They've even got a pizza flavor a pizza flavor. They've got something for everybody. 
As I mentioned, the favorite here in town is the Sriracha with peanuts and almonds. It's all available to you right now for just nine 99. It's what Kurt uses. He swears by it. it is his company. Go check it out. It's physicallyfit.com. And by the way, we've had some of these requests, uh, KurtAnglebrand.com. You've got autographs on there way cheaper than you can find them on eBay or anywhere else. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. We, uh, we, I have, uh, birthday cards, um, autograph photos, uh, cowboy hats, milk cartons. <laughs> We're selling everything. <laughs> They're pretty cool. Um, pretty cool merchandise. It's, you know, if you go on uh, KurtAnglebrand.com, you'll see. Check it out. It's KurtAnglebrand.com or physicallyfit.com. And if you want to vote on what we're talking about next week on the Kurt Angle Show, well, it's easy to do that. Follow us on Twitter at the Angle Pod. We're going to be putting up polls every single week, letting you guys chart the course of our show. And you can also ask questions on whatever wins. Until next time, he is at Real Kurt Angle. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on the Kurt Angle Show. See you next week. It's not a secret, baby. It's savewithconrad.com. Come on. Ask Toby in Edmond, Oklahoma. He left us a five-star review and wrote, Conrad's team was able to do everything I hoped for. They helped me reduce my mortgage term by 13 years. Think about that, folks. 13 years. Now, there's 12 house payments, of course, in a year. Duh. And if you're doing 13 years, that's 156 payments. You know what your mortgage payment is. Multiply it in your calculator by 156. That's how much old Toby saved. Not only that, he wrote, they paid off my car, my credit cards, and dropped my interest rate significantly. So let's recap. If you could go ahead and pay your house off 13 years faster, and oh, by the way, pay your car off with a greater tax deduction and a cheaper interest rate, and get rid of your credit cards and their high interest rates and get a greater tax deduction there, and also reduce your overall interest rate, how do you lose you don't. This is a win-win-win situation, and that's what we believe in at SaveWithConrad.com. And oh, by the way, if you have a car loan, if you have credit card debt, not only is the interest rate higher than what you'd be paying if you went to SaveWithConrad.com, it's not tax deductible. You get to write off your mortgage interest. You don't get to write off that interest on your car. You can't write off interest on your credit cards, but you can on your mortgage. So why wouldn't you get a better rate on your mortgage? Cut the years down, get rid of the car payment, get rid of the credit cards, retire faster by retiring your debt faster. We can run the numbers for you and your family right now at First Family. Just go to SaveWithConrad.com. That's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And did I mention no house payments for two months? It's SaveWithConrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.